Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're going to talk about an oldie but a goodie. It's a, a Hitchcock classic that I'd never seen before. It's called Notorious from 1946, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman and also Claude Rains. Can't forget about him. And but before we do that, how was your week? My week was actually, um, was actually very good. It was the first sunny week in a very long time. And I was able to get out and take walks and enjoy the sunshine. It is really nice outside. Yes, it is. It is very nice. How was your week? Good. It was busy. Uh, And I didn't get to do some of the things I had hoped to do. Uh, But that's basically on me because I chose to do other things instead. So I'm struggling with painting everybody. How do I start? Oops, I've got all the hiccups. Excuse me. But other than that, it's been good. It's been good. And I'm looking forward to getting our little bubble of uh, extra shows back this okay. week, hopefully. Because <laughs> we are going to... This is our last episode in February... Or in April, rather. Um, and we have all fresh episodes for you in May, uh, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Uh, and then, uh, and I'd like to build back. We had like a three-week buffer, and now we have a no-week buffer. But I'm also not super excited about our next movie, so we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But before we get to all of that, all of that, let's talk about Notorious. Have you ever seen this movie before? I had never seen this movie before. I had also never seen this movie before. It has Cary Grant in it, a man who people love, and I am still generally underwhelmed by. I do like his voice, but I just think he's fine. I've never. What's his best role? Because I don't think I've seen it. He's done a lot of comedies, and he was really I think he's great funny. at the screwball comedies that he did. Um, and I like 40s. that because he is a he is a stereotypically good-looking man, right? Um, but I just find him to be very... And we'll be seeing him more. Wouldn't very... Uh-huh. Over the course of... Uh, we're, we're going to be watching... Um, pretend. Uh, God, what is the other Hitchcock film that we have on our list? There's a thousand of them. Oh, North by Northwest. That's the one. We'll be watching that one, too. <laughs> he had a great talent for being... For playing comedy. And here, I was I was actually very impressed by him. Because I hadn't seen him play a part this straight or this complex before. And he played it with this kind of jaw-clenched steeliness that I was... Yeah, maybe I just didn't like his character. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, she's literally begging you. She's literally begging you right now. And for your pride you can't do the thing she's begging no. you for like Maybe i should just... start because there's there's something very interesting that happens in the film that it broke down it really does break down the societal norms at the time oh yeah for sure like this movie is called i think called notorious because this woman has clearly ha- has sex with both of the men in this movie right. <laughs> like yeah they sleep in separate beds okay but um so we start it's April of 1946. It's almost to the day when we um, release this will be when this uh, this movie actually is set, which is funny. 
you know, many, many, many years ago. Mm. 1946 was a long time ago. Uh, Alicia Uberman, who's played by Ingrid Bergman, mm. with her regular voice, is the American daughter of a convicted Nazi spy. We see her father being convicted. Um, she is there at the at the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fights her way through uh, the paparazzi to get out. The paparazzi, the news. Right. <laughs> it's the news covering this um, thing. She lives in Miami. And she throws Dead a party. Yes, it is. And she throws a party wherein she uh, just gets drunk with a couple of friends and the guy that they bring over to. Like he's a, he's crashing the party, but he was right. invited by one of her friends. Um, and that guy is Cary Grant. He's his name in the movie is Devlin, T. R. Devlin. She calls him Dev, which is cute. Um, and he's there to re- basically to recruit her for the CIA. Uh, and she wants to, she, he doesn't know why the people that he works for wants her to be a, a spy. spy for the CIA. I mean, like, he doesn't know the exact explicit reason for her mm-hmm. now. They do have, there's a, um, she's like, no, you're cops, a cab, this bullshit. Mm. Um, and, he is like, no, 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 we have this on tape, and it's not tape, mind you. This no, is the it's on wax. It's literally on, on wax. Vinyl. Oh, yeah, but it, yeah. So it was recorded on a wax record. Then, yeah, he's got a record of her basically telling her father to go fuck himself. Right. <laughs> like her dad had come to her in his in her apartment. So her mm. apartment now she knows her apartment's bugged. Fun, um, and he's trying to get her to be a party to what he is doing, which is being a traitor to the United States. He's a German um, man mm-hmm. in the United States, and he's trying to get her to betray the United States as well. And she's like, I'm not doing it. I love this country, um, and I don't want to ever interact or like have any interaction with you again. Like, I'm cutting you out of my right. life. And this was before he had been captured. This is so. This is a couple years old, probably at this point. So he's like, <laughs> Cary Grant almost does that. You love this country. You want to marry this country. So you should come work for this country. Mm. And she's like, I mean, it's a trip to Brazil, and I don't really want to be in the U.S. right now right, because she I'm being a, bombarded by the a trip by the to Cuba. News. Yes. One of the things I've always appreciated about Hitchcock. Um, which is something that I think you've probably read that I emulated in my last thing that I wrote, mm. which is to make all the extra characters around the edges really funny and interesting. Yes. And there's this party is filled with just oddball. Oddballs. Characters. And one of them is this German dude who's about to sail to Cuba, right. just two, um, and he's going to take her with him. And he he keeps saying it, and she keeps like, Oh, yes, I'll definitely be going to Cuba with you. But she's like, I'm not fucking going to Cuba with you. But then also, going to Cuba with him kind of seems like a good right. idea. But also, this dude is lecherous, and she will be stuck in a boat with him. Like, nah, maybe don't. Um, I don't know how long it takes to sail from Miami to Cuba. I don't think it takes very long. No. But I feel like he's going to get handsy in about moment two. So, yeah, she's like, no. 
But she's like, all right, I will, I will go to uh, Brazil with you and be CIA. Sure, let's do it. But she does. Neither of them know what the mission is, which is important. Neither to of them know what the mission is. And so they go to Rio, and for like a week, they're just hanging out in Rio as Ingrid Bergman and Carrie and Grant, and they do fall in love with each other. She explicitly falls in love with him, says it all the time. He won't say it because he's a dumb man. Okay. <laughs> you don't have anything to say to that? I think that... <laughs> She is painted as what used to be called politely a party girl. She has a promiscuous past, and she was drinking very heavily. So... Which may or may not have contributed to the promiscuous past. On the one hand, she is Ingrid Bergman. So she's just beautiful. And this... And she's an unmarried woman who can do whatever the fuck she wants with her body. The camera loves her, right? So we're treated to a lot of Ingrid Bergman being Ingrid Bergman. She's and beautiful. so he's attracted to her. And also her eyes are teary almost all the time. <laughs> he's attracted to her. He, he And they have like good banter. Right. They they do. Like and they get along well. They joke is, with I each think, other. They're both acerbic. They're both very funny. They're witty. They're smart. Right. From his point of view, I believe it is that he is not he doesn't know how far to trust her. He doesn't. He trusts her enough to sleep with her. Right. He doesn't. So I'm gonna need him. Okay. <laughs> to well, get on you... board with his dick and just trust her. Anyhow, <laughs> as I was saying, I think he doesn't know her enough to trust her, and she's still part of a job, and he doesn't know what the job is. So he has that kind of issue with committing to her. Um, also, he seems to be insecure about the fact that if he commits to her, that she will run off. And just go back to her partying lifestyle. Even, even though, though she's literally hanging on him, begging him to commit to that, her. Okay, so... <laughs> begging him. Uh-huh. Uh, so he... Uh, they're about to have dinner, and she's going to make some food, and then he has to go because they, uh, they, they're getting their, uh, their assignment. And he goes, and the assignment is she needs to seduce this dude that used to be in love with her. Um, and by seduce, it's really just get in with him. But since he wants her, that's her in. Cool. So she's going to be a honeypot to Alex Sebastian. Played by Claude Rains. The Claude Rains. And uh, so she makes herself seen uh, by going ape on a horse. It's not her fault. They're riding at the riding club, and to get his attention, Carrie Grant, <laughs> like, basically causes her horse to startle, and she rides off, and then she and Claude Rains run into each other. And this kismet, oh, I remember you, I remember you. And then they have lunch later, and she agrees to see him, because he has never stopped caring for her, because... Mm-hmm. She's Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> he invites her to dinner, and then he invites her to his home, mm-hmm. uh, to like a dinner party that he's having. Um, and at that point, they're like, okay, well, remember everybody that you meet, remember all of the names, 
um, you know, her Devlin and right. Devlin's boss are telling her this. The nationalities. And she goes, they think they ask her for nationalities or whatever. And really, they're saying, we need to know who's German. And she's like, yeah, I'll be able to figure it out because I am German. She's Swedish, but she's German in this. Everybody, she's German. Um, and then she, oh, it's so funny because when this movie started, I will mm. say, the credit that caught my eye was, Ms. Ingrid Bourbon's gowns by Edith Head. And I was like, how many gowns is she going to wear? Y'all, mostly gowns in this movie. She is mostly gown wearing. So she's wearing a gown in this. A lot of buttons. White. I don't know if I would wear white to a dinner party, but she does it. Um, and she sees one of the guys at the dinner be, um, like, have a reaction to a wine bottle. <laughs> That's important for later. Uh, he's agitated, and he is ushered quickly from the room. Um, and then we see the men. I don't know where she is. Is she with his mother at this point? It's the other thing. Mr. Sebastian, Claude Rains, lives with his mom. So sexy. Um, who does not in any way approve of his relationship with... Uh, Miss Uberman. Mm-hmm. He, she, I don't think she thinks she's a spy, but she doesn't think she's down for the cause. <laughs> um, especially because she's technically still living in America, right? Mm-hmm. And I think she has American citizenship at this point. Um, although I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I haven't seen her passport, but uh, she doesn't. She's like, you, you mm, do mm-hmm. not. Do and not. this is part of the, um, there's certain dynamics that you see when you see enough of Hitchcock's work. Mm. Um, you see a lot of dynamics. A mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. mothers. Um, you see uh, how the dead affect the living, which is something you'll see in Vertigo. Yeah. And we'll see in Psycho. And we saw in Rebecca. And we saw in Rebecca. Rebecca is a mm. perfect example. It's like a ghost story that's not a ghost story. Right. But in, in every other essential is a ghost story. Right. This woman is it's haunting, haunting these people, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. So the, the 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 mother son dynamic where she essentially is well, I could see uh, this dude stuffing his mom later. Oh, God, that's the... sorry, that sounded sexual and it wasn't. <laughs> but I mean, they're like clearly not a healthy relationship, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, so they're together, I guess, and then the men are meeting mm-hmm. and. Without the one that got nervous, so there are two separate tables happening or, or or groups happening at this dinner party, and we see the men basically saying, "Look, he can't keep his shit together. He freaked out in front of a stranger. We're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive him off a cliff." <laughs> and then he comes in to check on them, and they're like, "Oh, you look so tired." And the one that says, "I'll drive him off a cliff," basically is like, "Oh, let me escort you home," <laughs> which the dude knows. <laughs> He's like, "No, no." That is way too much. I could not possibly ask you to do that. I will take care of it. And then he's like, no, 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 we could not. You you could get tired. Mm-hmm. We care about you too much. I will take you home. And it's like, wah, wah, you're dead. He's dead. As far as we know, he's dead. And um, Alicia does um, sort of confer that over to the her handlers that, like, I'm pretty sure they killed that dude. 
Uh, and then they meet up at a horse race. Mm-hmm. And Devlin comes up and finds her. And they're chatting. And um, he she's giving her update him updates about who was at the party. Uh, and the thing about the wine bottle. And also he says, you can add Sebastian's names to my list of playmates. I.e., I have fucked him. <laughs> That's what that means. And uh, that's when Kakeri Gray is like, okay, cool, bye. <laughs> well, he's coming. Sebastian comes through mm-hmm. um, and to meet them, basically. And he's like, oh, I heard you had a good um, yeah, he's been introduced tip to... on the last right. horse. Sorry, I missed it. Okay, bye. He's been introduced to Devlin as an American um, that she met on the plane down to, from Miami right. that just won't leave her alone. And he's suspicious of Devlin in the idea that he's a young, good-looking man and Ingrid Bergman's character is a beautiful woman. Yeah, he's Claude Rains, yes. and that's Cary Grant. Right. No offense, Claude Rains, but you're no Cary Grant. <laughs> Uh, I guess, yeah, because I guess Cary Grant is attractive. He's just so bland to me in this movie, I guess. Although I do like his, it's just that he won't tell her he loves her. It's That's just what that it is, it's really. It's me off. Okay. Um, so, they, she goes to the embassy or wherever, breaking protocol because mm-hmm. she's like, um, he did ask me to marry him. And I didn't know what I should do <laughs> because they've been dating for all of a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Like it is. But he's obsessed with her. He's he been obsessed with he her. He does not want to let her out of his sight. Right. And now and he wants so to lock her down. guarding everyone, you know, right. from everyone. And she there. owes him on, uh, an answer today at lunch. Right. So she literally goes there and she's like looking at Devlin and she's like, give me a reason not to. And he's like, can't think of one. Even though he is dying inside, right? Uh, and so they do get married. They, they, he does say, you know, oh, is he going to take her on like a long honeymoon, and then we're going to extend this mm-hmm. mission out? And she's like, I can get him back faster. So they do go on a honeymoon, but she gets him back fairly quickly. Um, and then she starts investigating the home. Uh, they determine that he needs, she needs to get into the wine cellar and see why that wine right, well, caused the question such uproar for this dude. The wine, right? Yeah, um, but she doesn't have access to everything. So then she goes and asks for access to everything, and she gets like all the keys to all the closets, the storage places, and things. The one thing she doesn't get a key to is the wine cellar. Mm-hmm. So then she goes back with her handler, and they come up with a plan. To have a party where Devlin will show up. And basically, she's selling it as um, he's she's gonna he's gonna see me happily married and is gonna leave me alone. Right. And he's gonna sell it however he can. And uh, they're both gonna try and get into that cellar. They're gonna try and get him into the cellar so he can see what there is to see. Um, because she doesn't know what she's looking for because she's not a spy. <laughs> I mean, she's a spy, but she's not a spy. And so they do have the party, another gown. I think mean, this is gown number five in the film. I'm like, yeah, she did need a gown person. And uh, then this is like the tensest part of the movie, right? There's like, she's checking with the, the butler to make sure that he has enough champagne. 
And they're down to like seven champagne bottles. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have enough. But there's a lot of people coming up all the time. More champagne, more champagne. Because she has taken the key from her husband. From his... From his key ring. Right. And give, now she gives it to Devlin. They go... Like, the, the cellar is not like downstairs. It's like like down and around and through mm-hmm. and behind. And there's a garden path. Like, it's a whole situation. And so they go down there, and they go to uh, open the cellar, and they do. They get in, and he's looking around, and he sees something sort of back behind a shelf low down, and he's, like, looking at it, and then he knocks a bottle off the um, shelf, Mm -hmm. and it shatters, and it's not liquid. It's dust. And I was like, oh, is it here? You guessed it right away. It was uranium ore. So he scoops a little into an envelope, scoops the rest um, into another bottle that they get that has the same label, Mm -hmm. mostly, um, and sort of fake seal it up so it looks... That was divided by year, right? It's a specific year of the wine. That's 1934, but they don't catch that. They just do the label. So, But they replace it with a bottle that has the year 40 on it. Oh. which is their downfall later. Um, but they are able to get out before Sebastian comes down, but he doesn't have his key, and they don't want him to realize that he doesn't have his key. So Grant, Carrie Grant kisses Ingrid Bergman in front of her new husband, which set, makes Claude Rain send her his the butler back upstairs because he's like, I'm not right. going to let you see me be cuckolded. <laughs> um, and then... She is like, she pushes him off, and he's. She's like, she's. I think she slaps him, and then they do this whole thing, and he's like, oh, she doesn't want me. I'm leaving or whatever. And then she she tells her husband, he, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't. I couldn't stop him. He kissed me, and I couldn't stop him. And Claude Rains is real mad about it. Then he goes back upstairs. They all kind of go back to the party, and he's like, okay, now we can go get some more champagne. Right. And he realizes he doesn't have the key to the cellar on his key ring. And then he goes to bed. She's already in bed. They don't share a bed, but they share a bedroom. And when he wakes in the morning, he goes and looks at his key ring, and the key is back. The cellar key is back. And at that point, he realizes... Oops. There's something much bigger I than I did marry a spy. <laughs> like, he up. jumps to she's a spy uh-huh. fucking immediately. <laughs> and sh- sh- he's not wrong, but he mm. goes, and then he goes to his mom and he's like, Mom, <laughs> you know that lady that I, th- that you don't like that I married? She's a spy for America. She's an American spy. And here's his fear. His fear isn't, oops, I fucked up and I'm going to jail. His fear is if his compatriots find out that he did something so monumentally stupid as marry a spy, being driven off of a cliff is the best he could hope for. (laughs) These men aren't fucking around. And if you mess their situation up, they will fucking kill you. And that is his concern, which then I don't, if that, I mean, he wants to stay free. Right. But if your concern is death, Turn yourself in. Just turn yourself in right now. Just take her and 
go to Devlin and just turn yourself in. You'll get a cushy situation. You probably won't even go to jail. I get the impression <laughs> that he actually does believe in the cause and wants to keep... I think he does, too. And his mom definitely right. does. And she, he's not going to leave his mom. But... He should. Well, he's going to, anyhow, when he shuffles off this mortal off coil. Off this mortal coil. Yes. So... His mom and he decide that they are going to take the slow poisoning route. What if she happens to get sick over a period of time and then takes a turn for the worse? So that's what they're going to do. They're going to poison her. And they start immediately. And she is late for one meeting with Devlin and looks off. And she just is like, no, I'm just back to my old self. In in other words, the drinking. She was doing a lot of drinking and she's like, Mm. I'm hungover. You think so little of me that I'm going to go back to my old ways. Maybe that's what I've done, basically, is what she says to him. And he's like, but I don't believe it, really. Uh, And then finally, when she doesn't show up for like five days in a row, he's like, no, I think she was sick that day. I don't think she was hungover. And I think something seriously is wrong. So then he just goes to the Sebastian house and sort of breaks into her room, which is fucking ballsy <laughs> and she's like uh they are poisoning me i figured it out but i'm too weak to do anything about it because you do see her it's like they they basically have ca- are keeping her in her room they remove the phone to yeah. keep quiet she for no her and she is so weak that she can't get up or move about so they have been upping the dosage of whatever, and it's, it turns out I think it was in her tea, and she mm. finally figures out that's what's happening, but by then it's too much in her system, and now they can just force her to take stuff because she's so weakened. And their plan, I guess, is to just make it, just have her pass in, in, mm. the, in the house, I guess. Um, Every, all of his compatriots are really worried about her because they all have now kind of fallen in love with her, too, because she's Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> like, and so they're all like, oh, how is she? And, oh, can we see her? And they're like, no, 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 you can't see her. She's not doing well or whatever. Oh, have you taken her to the doctor? Can we bring a doctor? Like, they yeah, all are legitimately concerned. concerned about her. And this and is another like, reason why he doesn't want to have her publicly executed or anything because it's he is um sebastian's position among the nazis here is secure only as long as he has a sort of air of not having made mistakes yes he has a kind of a air of infallibility with them yes which is hilarious because the my favorite quote and i think in this is when he goes to his mom and mm-hmm. is like, ooh, <laughs> I didn't marry an American spy. She, she responds, we are protected by the enormity of your stupidity for a time. Like, nobody's going to believe you were so right. damn dumb as to marry an American spy in two and a half weeks or whatever the fuck it was. Um, you don't make mistakes like that. Except, it turns out, <laughs> yeah, the fuck he does. So then... Finally, as Devlin breaks into her room and she is so weak and she cannot uh-huh. move, he's like, I love you. And she's like, say it, away. Say it again. He keeps me awake. <laughs> he's like, I love you. That's all she wanted. The whole movie, she's been begging him. Tell me you love. I'm telling you over and over I love you and you won't tell me that you love me. There's a right in the end of their first date that we know is a date. 
when mm-hmm. we know that they're together, she's like, this is a very strange love affair. And he says, why? And she says, maybe the fact that you don't love me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not about a needy bitch. Mm-hmm. But she is explicitly saying, look, I am telling you how I feel. Right. All I need for you is to one fucking time tell me that you feel the same way. I'll leave it be once you've said it once. Now it turns out she won't. But well, by this point, she's earned it. it she's, she's he needs to have a skywriter. Uh, he needs to hire a plane. They need to write it in the sky. Um, maybe billboards. Yeah, and it's it's weird because there there are parts of him that are very forward thinking. Like I think he thinks, well, I'm not going to tell her how I feel. Because I'm going to get in the way of her doing the job that she has agreed right. to do, right? And he says things like, a man doesn't tell a woman what to do, she tells herself. Which is very forward-thinking. Tell the woman that you love her. If you love her, though, or she'll die in a bed. <laughs> She's being poisoned by her mother-in-law. Uh, but, so he goes, he, he gets her. And it turns out all of the all of the boys are over all of the uh, the men that they're keeping track of the Nazis the Nazis the Nazis y'all we're talking about the Nazis um, and he starts carrying her out of the mansion and they're like she looks worse than you ever said you've waited to and they they are now on Sebastian mm-hmm. like. You've waited too long to take her to the hospital. You're not taking care of your wife. This is fucked up. We right. got to get her out of here. And they're far enough back where Devlin can say to Sebastian, look, I'm taking her. If they find out who she is, like, I understand that you now know that she's an agent. You probably know right. that I'm an agent, right? So fucking hands are on the table. Cards are on the table. If they find out who we are, you're going to have a big problem. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, he starts, he and his mom are like, yeah, she needs to go to the hospital. You're absolutely right. Let me come with you. <laughs> and he's like, can't fit in the car. And, um, And they leave him behind, ostensibly, probably, to face well, a fairly significant yes. piper. I think that it's um, it's a foregone conclusion that he's not going to survive the night. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen to Mother, but... Mother um, might be the one that kills him, oh, just go. to prove her worth, right. and because I'm pretty I sure it would that. give her... She hates that. She does not like her son. Mm-hmm. She is... And she's deeply irritated at him for bringing all of this on. So I think she might be the reason that he died, like the way that he dies. Um, and then they drive away. And you presume, yes, yeah, Sebastian is going to be killed. So now she's going to be an unmarried mm-hmm. woman or a widow. Right. Maybe with some extensive income coming her way. Well, we've seen the size of that house in the extensive wine cellar. Uh, and then, yeah, but that might go to mom. I think most I of it doubt would be confiscated updated. by the CIA. That's true. You're probably right. I mean, or the other Nazis. Because this is like, post-World War II. The Nazis yeah. are being hunted everywhere. Right. Um, so that's it. That's the end. And we presume that 
now Devlin will so, tell her she loves he loves her and they will get married. How do you how did you feel about it the film? You know, I really enjoyed it. But once again, I just I think it's I don't know if it's a Cary Grant thing or if it's a this character thing, but yeah. I, he was You I, I'm aggravating. Enjoying to me. watching the aggravation that you are <laughs> demonstrating. That's rude. Um <laughs> There's a lot of it, the script was written by Ben Heck, who was uh, he was one of the modern screenplays are really inspired by his banter, his style of writing, how uh, sharp and focused his characters were, how intelligent they were. Uh, he gives Devlin. There's a lot to chew on with his character. Yeah. One of the ways that the film has been interpreted is that the name Devlin actually means he's a devil, in a way. That's interesting. I she don't. She is trying see to go that. onto the straight and narrow. Yeah. Well, and she just keeps, wants to live a life. Right. She wants to live a life. And, Out, and she's now outside of her father. Her right. father's in prison. When she's her, got a life. When she was aware that her father was a Nazi, she begins this sort of drunken spree. Yeah. And so... It's like finding your father out your father's a serial killer or something. You're right. just like, oh, God. So she's trying to go straight at this point. She goes on early in the film about, I've been eight days without a drink. <laughs> you know, uh, yes. during the early days of their romance. Yeah. And he keeps teasing her about going back. You're going to relapse. You're going to fall back. You're going to... So he winds up becoming, you know, she's moving towards being a better person. He keeps kind of like tugging at his strings like, are you really, are you really penitent? Are you really going forward? And, that's an interesting... Why do you get to do that? Well, he... On the one hand, it seems to be that he wants to know if he's investing his... This love, or the feelings that he's having in her are genuine, and they're not just... He's not another flavor of the week, is what he seems to be thinking. Now, mind you, what we didn't discuss is that in all of his scenes with his boss, who's played by Lewis Calhoun, who's a character actor. Oh yeah, at one point she he tells her that that he that uh, Devlin's transferring to Spain, right. and was going to just leave without saying anything. And I'm still unclear whether that was even true. No, I don't. I don't know that it was. Uh, but when uh, <laughs> early on, when one of the um, one of the associates they have is uh, telling uh, Captain Paul Prescott, who's their boss, yeah, on this mission. About uh, about Alicia's loose morals and all. Devlin just jumps in with both feet. It's no more loose than your wife, or you know, I feel yeah, yeah, yeah. the comment that he makes. No, yeah. Whenever anybody else is saying the shit out loud that right. he's thinking in his head, he's he gets hella mad, and like tries to shut them down. And I'm like, say that. To her. But that well, was kind of say. surprising that he did that. It's like no more so than your wife. And that was like, whoa, that was that. Which just makes me think he's got like a clinical problem with communicating. Well, I think also (sighs) we have to remember that this is his, he's doing a couple of things wrong. One of which is he's letting his emotions interfere with his job and his job is to hunt the Nazis. He absolutely shouldn't have hooked up with her in the first place because that is his asset. But he said from the very beginning, he fell in love with her, I think. Um, I think he fell in love with her when he heard that recording. I don't think he even had to I don't meet know, her. Because <laughs> he, I think it was earlier. 
there's some sort of well in the when very, he heard the recording before they even met. I'm talking about possibly, before the movie yeah. started. I'm talking. He walks into the party with her mm. the first time we see them together, already in love with her. That party scene is interesting because um, you've never seen him. It's just the back of his head. Right, the back of his head, and then he sort of comes into the light, uh, which again adds to that weird kind of like yeah. Devlin, Devil, right. and that. she always calls him Dev, right? Which, which for, sort of feeds into that he does. She doesn't use his initials or his first name, which I don't even know what it is. So it's a T. But um, there's a an interesting moment where she steps out on the porch because she insists on driving, and he's going to let her drive, which is not a great idea. But it's very early in the morning. It's still dark outside. She steps out to drive. She's wearing a midriff bearing garment. No, you see her tummy. Abs. Which is, damn, <sighs> what the hell was she doing? Because she really does have this kind of washboard midsection. Okay, Ingrid, there you go. But he takes off a scarf or something, and I'm not sure if he's wearing or where he gets it from, and he wraps it around her middle mm-hmm. and says it's going to be cold. And that was this kind of very small, very caring gesture that made me think, oh, he's already... It's small and caring, but it's also cover yourself. It's also a little bit of... You're a little bit like a harlot. Let's let's get you covered up. I don't up. know if that was the case if they were just driving together. No, it's true, themselves. but I'm just saying, it could mm. be read as, if we're going to go out in public together, right. you need to be presentable. I don't know. I didn't read it that way. Mostly because... They, the only person they run into is a cop who stops her from speeding. Right, right, right. Well, right. They don't actually run into anybody. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he does. They have that whole fight to, where he says what I said uh-huh. um, before. But it's, she's literally like, all you had to do. Hold on, let me find it. Uh, he says, I can't help recalling some of your remarks about being a new woman. Daisies and buttercups, wasn't it? You idiot. What are you sore about? You knew very well what I was doing. As in, I came here to do a job that you told me to do. (laughs) And he says, did I? And she says, you could have stopped me with one word, but no, you wouldn't. You threw me at him, which is not untrue. And he says, I threw you at no one because he can't take fucking responsibility for his own actions. And she said, didn't you tell me what I had? A man doesn't tell a woman what to do. She tells herself, you almost had me believing that a little hokey-pokey miracle of yours that a woman like you could change her spots. So he already, he's always thought of her as a whore. Like, that's mm-hmm. basically what we're hearing. He, and he can't get, he can't get his Madonna whore complex out of his fucking head where you're either virtuous or beyond contempt or beneath contempt. And that's mm-hmm. where she is, even though he loves her. <laughs> Uh, and then she says, you're rotten. And he said, that's why I didn't try to stop you. The answer had to come from you. And she says, some kind of love test. And he says, that's right. So he's a bit of a manipulative fuck. He Again, does apologize later devil. and calls himself a stupid fat <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've seen this complex a love story in a Hitchcock film. Yeah, he says, I couldn't see straight or think straight. I was a fat-headed guy, full of pain. What is that? There's a cat doing something. Cool. But um, I think that 
Yeah, his character is interesting. Bergman's character is much more interesting. But the complexity of having these two particular people uh, as leads. Yeah. No, they were really good together. Right. I just, his character was bothering me the whole time. And it was because it was a more complex character than you would expect. Mm. I think. I think that most of the characters here, including... Um, well, you no, know, you know what I think it is? I think fundamentally what mm-hmm. it is, he's a little bit of a gaslighter. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit of a... That's not what I'm doing, even though that's what he's doing. He's manipulating, right? right? He's CIA. Of course he's going to manipulate. And we get to the end of the movie, and everything, so he gets everything that he wants. No, the original ending of the film wasn't that. That's interesting. The original ending of the film is that she dies in the car as he's driving her to the hospital. No, I can't. That's too sad. Which was exactly what... No, that's not okay. Because then that I would hate him even fucking more. Right. I would hate him even more. Which, because what, or rather what that did is say that she finished her journey and her she's pure now or she's been exactly. purified by suffering. Yep. And that was all that needed to, or that's what needed to happen for her. Um, that's and gross. Hitchcock and the writer just sort of felt that that was not going to work for them. No, because that fundamentally then makes her... A redeemed villain of the piece. Right. Which is not uh, another, what, what you want for remember, that character. Hecht would work really... He, he had a long working relationship with Hitchcock. And often he would just sort of sit in his own office or he'd come over bring pages for Hitchcock to read. And they would go over the things together. And then he would uh, go back and do the additions that Hitchcock would talk about. And as a playwright, a former playwright, he had a real ear for dialogue. Mm-hmm which you can get a sense of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also did not mind how extensively Hitchcock would revise his ideas. So there was one ending, which is she dies on the way to the hospital. and you know That feels so punitive. And then there was another version where, uh, uh, which was even, str- well, stranger to me, uh, both uh, Sebastian and Sebastian's mother actually are in the backseat of the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a gunfight during which the car ch- flips over, and that would have been the suspense and uh, or the action ending. Okay. Because the producers and then felt, they all get taken out, and the no, Nazis no. win. Like no, the Nazis die, and he <laughs> rescues her. Or that could have been another way in which she would have died. Um. But the idea was that Hitchcock thought he famously said that suspense is the the ticking bomb that doesn't go off. That's right. the suspense, right? And so so that if the bomb goes off, you're not in suspense anymore. So just ratcheting tension was something that he wanted. And so if you give somebody this big cathartic ending with action and running around, that wasn't going to suit him right. for what this film was about. Because this movie was all about kind of whispers. Right. And there's a lot of... You mentioned earlier how one reviewer called the film, what, erotic? Yeah, so when I, yeah, let me find out, let me find the the quote again. Um, And I don't know who said this, Mm -hmm. um, but it is a quote that comes up on the IMDb um, reviews. Dark, cruel, 
beautifully photographed and deeply erotic, notorious as one of Hitchco- Hitchcock's very best. Now, I don't. I actually really like the movie. I don't know if it's one of his best. I haven't seen all of his movies, but I enjoyed it a lot. But the deeply erotic line was upsetting to me because I don't. Other than the fact that we know that this woman slept with both of these men, mm-hmm. I don't find the movie particularly erotic. What and you've complained about this before when you watch older movies, uh, the Hayes Code was still in force, right? And so people couldn't kiss each other for more than twenty seconds. Yeah, they and they have to do that weird flat face, Ma- they mushing their faces together. Kiss to each you other. couldn't turn your head. You couldn't do any of those. There's things. a lot of there's a lot of the. Face just cheek to cheek smushing, <laughs> which is interesting because in this film, what he did was, which isn't bad. It just right. I don't. That's not a when thing. When he was told that he could only hold a kiss for twenty seconds, Hitchcock rebelled and did a lot of scenes of them holding hands and putting their faces together. They're very close, right? Yeah, and he said it was really difficult in a way to photograph because you have to keep them in focus and just have these people be perfectly natural. And, and it's, not na- it's not natural behavior. Me, right. Yeah, it's not in any way natural behavior. But the, he was able to get, I think, a lot of... Um, yeah, there's a, just a really... A, he was able to get a lot of emotions out of both actors. Yeah. Like, but Although the problem is, Cary Grant is supposed to be keeping all of his bottled up, right. and he does, and maybe that's good generally, but it's less impressive to watch, where she is like a raw nerve. Yeah, but yeah, has to keep film. it buttoned up mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And so it's it's really is a great performance for both of them, frankly. Uh, and Claude Rains, of course, being Claude Rains, the magnificent. Just, so deeply pathetic, right? In like this visceral way, <laughs> just like he would throw himself in front of a train for this woman. Maybe not because, um, you know, he didn't want to die there at the end. But he was so obsessed and just so much like. I mean, he only marries her. He forces her into the marriage because he wants her to prove that she doesn't love Devlin. That's literally it. Prove it to me, he says to her. And I'm just like, how do you prove a negative? You can't prove a negative. That's not how that works. You should know that. Um, But the, the, the way that they get there is, well, then marry me. If you don't care about him, marry me. Which is like... Wait. Hitchcock gets really great performances out of this. He has it in this very quiet kind of key. And the fact that he can get suspense out of just the strangest and oddest little things. You know that you're a genius if you can get suspense out of how many champagne bottles are left in a cooler. And left in a cooler, yeah. (laughs) We just keep going back to the champagne bottles and you're like, oh no. (laughs) it's like wow he actually has me worried what a wild timer that we have in this film but that is definitely what's happened you actually have me worked up because there's only six bottles or five or you know it it turns out to be he really did pay attention to small details and he realized that's kind of what this film is about and you leave it on such a cliffhanger where you're like well that dude's like 
almost definitely totally fucked, right? <laughs> no, no, not, not even almost definitely. That guy, is, he's going to be the next guy who has a car accident. But, I, uh, yeah, I really liked uh, the whole film. The, it's great to see a, an actual master craftsman. Yeah. And he's not just, he's a genius, of course. And uh. that's, he has all sorts of problems, but outside of it, his work. I don't know. I feel like maybe we take the term genius away if you're like an abusive piece of shit. Well, then. <laughs> like, you don't get to be, a, you get to be something. There's got to be another term. Then Master Craftsman would apply? Sure. Because he really is that. I mean, if nothing else, he knows how to make. Is my key on my keychain or not? Be, yeah, right. The, right. The, it becomes the a great, scary moment. Like, oh, is he going to find this out? And in the end, Anybody could have passed the party and seen how many bottles were in the um, the cooler, or it could have been completely coincidental how many keys. Not coincidental. What is the word I'm looking for? Almost of no consequence. Oh, I guess I dropped my key. Any right. Of that. But all of these things are invested with a great deal of meaning because we know what's going on behind the scenes. I yeah, and I also like was literally like, does she really think she's going to get that back on there without him knowing? Like, he's going to know he didn't have his key because he couldn't get into the cellar. And I also like the fact that even... Like, like you're, cases, you're, you're, you've just decided that this cellar gambit at this party is worth blo- blowing your cover. Even but now you're also married, so... That you just mentioned right there <laughs> is another example of him doing something like... You think they've gotten away with it, but they haven't gotten away with it. And they make a plan, and of course, for instance, when they're captured... Is another good example. Not when they're captured, when they're caught. When they're caught. Right. In the- and and Cary Grant just is like, I'm kissing you. And she's like, he's going to think. He's like, he's going to think exactly what the fuck I want him to think. <laughs> so he tells him an excuse, and then you see Claude Rains kind of buying it. And then he doesn't buy it. To buy, He buys it in the face of, well, what the fuck? I mean, right. this dude is in my face. Also, I'm looking at this man. I might be in my home. He could kick my ass. He's got to know that a a fight mm-hmm. between Cary Grant and Claude Rains is not going to go in Claude Rains' favor. <laughs> and so he, what is he going to say? But at the same time, I think what that says, the, the way that works for me is you have this temporary relief thinking, okay, all right, woof, they got out of that one, but they didn't get out of that one. No. And yeah. there's a lot of that in this film where... Yeah. It's, no, he is ratcheting and right. pulling back and ratcheting and pulling back. When she is starting to be poisoned and she gets out, you're like, uh, oh, she's going to be able to get help. And then she just, because they are so mad at each other. And yes, he's, I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that I agree with what Devlin does. He is infuriating in the fact that he won't stand up for her up until the To very, her face. Right. Because we see him do it yes, yes. outside, but all she, and she's, Literally, that's the other thing is she's not shy with what she needs from him. Mm-hmm. She tells him explicitly what she wants from him, and he just is like, "Can't do it, babe." Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yes, the fuck you can!" <laughs> like it's so frustrating. Yeah, I don't know. He makes me mad in this. I need to find a thing where he's not an asshole. So was he? Uh, did uh, was it thrilling? It was. I think it was in parts, but I I don't think I need a movie to be. 90% thrilling. Well, it's interesting <laughs> how this film... I saw the informal remake of this movie. 
What's that? There was a remake for television that was not nearly as good. And Mission Impossible 2. Oh, with like sort of a... Borrowed beat for beat from this film where... Interesting. Tandy Newton and Tom Cruise are spies and he has to have her married to Grace Scott or she becomes to Grace Scott's lover. And Tom Cruise is sad and lonely. And, it's, and I was watching it going years ago going... Wait a second. <laughs> I've seen this before. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this before. That's really funny. Yeah. So this came out in 1946. Mm-hmm. August of 1946. Uh, budget, $1 million. Box office, $24 million. Jeez. That's real good, everybody. That is very, very good. The music is really good in this. I did enjoy... Um, the music and yeah i like um let's see uh, we were talking about costumes yeah the design of ingrid bergman's gowns was to edith head who is when i picture her i picture the character from the incredibles but i don't think that's no, fair she's <laughs> um, she used to do television commercials when i was a kid she was still alive and she would do commercials on uh I don't even know what she was advertising. I'm Edith Head, Oscar-winning, you know, fashion designer. She's won eight Academy Awards for Best Costume Design, Mm -hmm. and she is the most awarded woman in the Academy's history. Yeah. That's bonkers. I I was just trying to find who, what she's won. Yeah, you said she was the most... uh, She won four. Best Costume Design, The Heiress. Samson and Delilah, All About Eve, A Place in the Sun, Roman Holiday and Sabrina, so she had a, a, an Audrey Hepburn to mm-hmm. do, The Facts of Life, and The Sting. Did you know that they used to divide costume design into color and black and white? They did color and black and white cinematography, I think, too, for a while. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And some years, she was nominated for both. Wow. Like, in 1959, in a lot of years, in fact, she was nominated for, so 52, for Color, Greatest Show on Earth, for Black and White, Carrie. Um, 53 and 54 were both Black and White, for Roman Holiday and Sabrina. Then 55, Color, To Catch a Thief, Black and White, A Rose Tattoo, she didn't win either. But like there are several where she's hot, she's up three times, two mm-hmm. in one and one in another, stuff like that. So she's she was a uh, bonkers prolific. And then at the bottom, when they made it best costume design after 1969, it was just one thing: mm-hmm. 69, 70, 73, 75, and 77. She was nominated, but she only won for one. And that was the sting. That was her last award. That's wild. Um, she made an appearance in a Columbo episode, acting as herself. I'm trying to see if I don't see anything for about commercials. Yeah, I don't know what she was advertising, but she announced herself as Edith Head, and she was surrounded by. Sketches of her work 
And I think it was for... The visual appearance of Edna Mode, the costume designer yeah. in Pixar's Incredibles, Incredibles 2, was inspired by Head in a tribute to the late designer. I was right. Because okay. <laughs> I looked at her and I was like, oh, she's got the, the bangs and the glasses. And I'm pretty sure she was small. I don't think she was... Picks are small, but she was not very tall. Uh, and she was 83 when she passed. She lived from 1987 mm. to 1981. That's a long time, yo. Yep, yep. So we learn a little about her. And she designed the hell out of some gowns. Ingrid Bergman looked beautiful. Uh, what else was going on with this movie? The music was good. Music was fun. Roger Ebert included this as in his 10 greatest films of all time, citing it as his favorite of Hitchcock's films. Which is odd, but yes, I can understand it. I, when you have a person with that large body. He said body. his favorite, not the best. Right. I like that Ebert makes those right. distinctions, because I think, and we've done it on this show before, what I consider my favorite things are not what I consider as yes. the best things, yeah. necessarily. I'm not a I'm not I'm not a narcissist like that, <laughs> um, but yeah. So that's that's notorious. Is that notorious? Is that yes. everything we want to talk about? Now that we have this weird break in the middle. Um, okay, so that brings us to the end of April. Mm-hmm. We made it, uh, and now we have May next, which is your birthday month. April is my birthday month. May is your birthday month. Uh, so. May looks different than April in that we have four fresh episodes. Okay. And we're going to start with something that I have seen one time and still can't figure out why it's on this list. And that is Casablanca. (laughs) I couldn't figure out why Wizard of Oz is on the list Uh, or some of the others. Yeah. So we'll talk about how it fits into thrills when we talk about it next week. So Casablanca is up first. Mm -hmm. Then Bullet, which makes perfect sense, with Steve McQueen. And then Jurassic Park, 1993. Totally different from those other two movies that I talked about. And finally, Robert Mitchum classic. Very deeply scary. Night of the Hunter is the end of May. So that is the next four movies that we're going to talk about. Um... As I said, I know I've seen Casablanca. I don't remember it. That is, and then I think you made me watch at least part of Bullet. Um, How the car chase? Isn't it all car chase? Is no, it not no. all car chase? The car chase of car chases, or the car chase where you see that elements of it were taken and used in every car chase since then. It's just one of those. So things. Bullet's one of the like French Connection. Yeah, right. Well, the action has the character that. Stephen Queen creates is the archetype for all the cool action heroes in the 60s that weren't James Bond. You know, aside from that kind of person who was doing this as like a spy with all the training, you know, these were just these sort of tough guy things. And it was played by Clint Eastwood, it was played by Chuck Norris, played a mm-hmm. lot of kind of that. As a matter of fact, in one of the films uh, he did, he wore the black turtleneck sweater. Uh, that Steve McQueen wears in Bullet just as an homage to his former student, as a matter of fact. The guy who got him into acting. Interesting. 
I heard a fresh batch of Chuck Norris jokes the other day that made me giggle. Um, I think one of I think my favorite one was the first one, which was Chuck Norris built the hospital he was born in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's that brings us to the end of Notorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, Casablanca. So we're staying in we're staying in black and white land. Staying with Miss Bergman. Staying with Miss Bergman. Got a different lumpy-faced star for her. It's Bogart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, at no time is anyone going to utter, play it again, Sam. No. Because that not, is not a line from no. this movie, everybody. That's a line from Woody Allen's take on this movie. Uh, and then, um, and until then, though, do you have anything you want to recommend to our listeners? I know you've been watching a bunch of stuff in the background. Um, I did. I, I watched um, uh, a comedy from 2023. A comedy from this year. Yes. It's called Beef. Oh, it's a comedy TV show. Right. You're not going to wait for me to watch it. Let's um, discuss. No, I want to discuss it because you said last week. That I don't know when I'm going to watch now. it. Right. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to. So um, it, I didn't quite mention it last time that we recorded because there was some controversy over one of the stars. Uh, not stars, one of the supporting actors. Right, yes. Doing a really kind of... Um, David Cho is a problematic ass figure, and I right. didn't know he was in this thing, but I have known for a long time that he's a problematic dude. Like, right. But anyhow, I mean, his part in yeah. this, he's a supporting cast yeah. member. Yeah. And he's playing an asshole. He's an asshole. Right. <laughs> so that feels right. Um, <laughs> the film itself is interesting because it takes. And it's a series, right? Oh, right, it's yeah. a series. Okay. Two separate people, who are played by Stephen Yeun and Ali Wong, who have a confrontation in a parking lot. Okay. And they're both horribly angry at each other. Who's in the wrong? Or is it a set a, a set situation where kind of both of them kind of need kind her Kind of both of them are in the wrong. Okay. Um, he nearly backs into her. She honks at him. He flips her off. She flips him off. And okay. And, just and keeps it's just this, right. Okay. And it turns into a high-speed chase. Now they're both in the wrong. Right. <laughs> we moved to And then they go off in their point. separate directions. Uh-huh. And as they go off in their separate directions, as a matter of fact, she does something that she does. She she really takes it overboard when she throws a drink at his front windshield and he's blinded for a second and just weaving along at top That's speed. That's really dangerous, right. yeah. So they, they both start this kind of... You're watching two characters do this sort of slow burn. Okay. And Ali Wong's uh, uh, character, uh, Amy, lives with uh, her Japanese husband. They have a kid okay. in this very fancy home. So upper upper class. Right. And Danny Cho, who's Stephen Yoon's character, is a handyman. So not. Right. Okay. And they both, they're, they're sort of economically on different strata. Right. But they First, they just can't let go of the situation, and it keeps escalating and escalating. Like they, when they see them each other out in the world, or like, are they instigating meeting? Up? Well, like, what happens at first? They don't know who the other person is. Right. They're just complaining about it, and we get the first couple of episodes is just understanding their lives and their situations. Okay. And, uh, that um, you know, Danny's relationship with his brother Paul who's kind of a doofus guy who okay. hangs around lives in his apartment plays video games all day um, 
And Allie works for, and she's really wonderful in this, as she always is, Maria Bello, who is an incredibly rich, very entitled woman who has no idea how actual people function in the real world. Uh She lives in what can probably be described as something close to a castle in the hills above Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. where she just a, insulated from insulated, reality. Yeah. And there's one of the funniest scenes is there's a whole room of appropriated art from all over the world that she puts on her head, like hats and things. It's really very well, funny. Okay. And uh, over the course of the, of the episodes, the 10 episodes, I think, um, they discover, Ali Wong and Stephen Yoon discover each other's identities. And then they begin sort of like, at first, it, doing things that look as innocent as pranking each other in public and then getting involved deeply into each other's lives, getting each other jobs that they can't, you know, that they then sabotage. Okay. Uh, It's really, really bizarre because by the end of it, she's literally chasing him with a gun through the the hills uh, above L.A. trying to kill him. And there's a moment where you stop and you're like, wait, how did we get here here? from that? Right. But it's a very interesting story. And it's told, you have sympathy for both characters because they both are feeling trapped in their own situations. Right. And and, uh, as as much as you don't want to really feel... But both of them are fucking doing the most. Like, neither of them is right. And the thing is (laughs) that they keep having these... This sort of slow groping motion towards redeeming themselves. And then they just slip right back the moment, oh, wait, there she is. That's her car. And, or, you know, uh, in his case, they, uh, it really is interesting to see, first of all, Asian people presented outside of the context of just being Asian. Uh huh. Asian people are not a monolithic community, there no. are a variety of cultures and prejudices intra-Asian prejudices that happen that yeah, are depicted sure. on the show. Um, there is a lot of uh, different kinds of characters because, you know, having watched television as long as you and I have, there's stereotypes of Asian people as being successful, as being hardworking. No, no, this completely breaks that because of uh, David Cho's character is playing a guy who um, has the cousin who got sent to prison mm. and he comes out and he keeps trying to roll the gangster lifestyle and include uh, Stephen Yoon and his brother Paul, or it's a character, right. uh, Danny and Paul into it. And it seems like every time that he wants to get somewhere, uh, David Cho's character, uh, Isaac, keeps pulling him back into this sort of twilight lifestyle where he winds up robbing a church at one point. But it's um, rather stealing from a church. It becomes this amazingly kind of almost convoluted, well, not convoluted, it's almost Dickensian in how really one small situation just keeps going and right. going and going. Right. And like a tapestry. Right. Yeah. Until the very end of where you're like, oh, okay, this is how they got there. But it was really interesting. The performances are really good. Yeah, I've heard that. I was surprised by how good these, I mean, Stephen Yoon, yes, I knew, but Ali Wong just gives an amazing performance here. So anyhow, with with the reservations that yeah they get pretty bad the way that they attack each other, it is a really interesting watch. If nothing else, uh, if if you're not emotionally involved, it is interesting to watch from a distance. Hmm. 
What did you... Do you have something? Do I have something? Yes. I don't know. Uh, we, we did watch Ghosted. Mm-hmm. It's on Apple TV. Is it on Apple TV? It's on Apple TV. Um, and it's fun. I don't know that I recommend it. I mean, I recommend it if you want a fun action movie. I don't recommend it if you want a rom-com. How about that? Okay. I just, I didn't think that they were particularly wrong. Well done. Yeah. I just, I, the, hmm, Chris Evans and Anna Darmus seem like brother and sister trying to not be brother and sister to Mm. me. Like, I, I like their banter and stuff, but they bicker so quickly that I'm just like, this isn't healthy. (laughs) Um, and also, I will mirror what David um, and Griffin on Blind Check said, which was they saw the trailer and they were like, oh, I like these two. Oh, in a rom-com, neither of them are going to know how to use a gun. How refreshing. And then both of them know how to use guns. And it's just like, why is every movie about everybody knowing how to use guns and then using guns liberally and killing all of everybody? Like, why do I need that in my rom-com? Anna Darmus kills a lot of people in this movie for it to be a romantic comedy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a lot. So there's that. But it's funny, and there are some very fun cameos. Um, you know, so get high and watch it, I guess, but it's not very well. I really appreciate the fact that um, she fought for her size. Yes. They you always appreciate really that, yeah. Good job that they didn't, you know, they didn't have her slugging it out with people. Like the, big loud houses right. and... No. And, and the cameos, I won't go into who they are because it's really fun it's when you're fun to, fun surprised by them. It's like, oh, yeah. that's really funny. But yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, so that was fun. It's a fun, silly movie. It's a fun action movie. I, mm-hmm. I Like I said, less less on the Rami romance side of it. I did like to see Amy Sedaris as uh, Chris Evans' mom. I like Amy Sedaris, though, so... So that's probably mine. I don't know that I've watched anything else really lately that I can think of. Mm. I watched Notorious. Notorious. Before that, I watched Die Hard. That's what I got. <laughs> We've heard my feelings on both of those. So mm. that's all I can say. So that's going to do it, I guess, for us. Okay. Next week, Casablanca. You guys, I'm not excited about it. I'm hoping that this is going to be better. Like, I've had a, po- a few positive experiences lately where, oh, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be, or I really did enjoy it when I thought I wasn't going to. So mm. I'm hopeful that that will happen. But right now, I'm just like... Yeah, it's going to be interesting watching you watch Bullet. Um, because the two movies, Casablanca and Bullet, are almost exact opposites. Well, that's interesting. In that... Steve McQueen's big deal was cut out all the dialogue and just cut it down to the bare essentials. So a lot of times he's just looking at the camera um, or looking into the audience. And so... Yeah, and I don't think I like Steve McQueen, so that'll be interesting. Really? I thought you liked him. I He's, he's just so blonde, it's weird. I thought you liked him in The Magnificent Seven. I did like him. I don't dislike... He's just... He's a weird... He's weird to me. <laughs> okay, well, he's weird to everybody. I don't so. know. He's weird to me. 
You'll be but seeing first, a lot of him. We've got to get through Casablanca, so right. I don't get to see any of them yet. First, we have to do a bogey. A bogey. Not a Bacall. A bogey Bergman production. Cloud Rain's in this one, too? Yes, he is. It's like, is he? He is, right? Yeah. yeah he is. <laughs> so we're going to Claude Rain's run. run of character actors, too, are in this film. Including, briefly, I think, um, I believe, Peter Laurie's in it for a minute. Peter Laurie? I love him and his eyes. They make me nervous. So. All right. I think that brings us to the end. You're going to check on that. In the meantime, I'm going to say, hey, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Or you can find us on Twitter. That ship is going down, but we're going down with it. And no, we do not have a blue check mark. Did you find it? Yes, I did. He's in the film along with Sidney Greenstreet, and those two were together in a lot of movies. I just saw Coffin for Demetrius, and they were in it as well as a team, Peter Laurie and Sidney Greenstreet, which is very funny. Buddies. Because Sidney Greenstreet buddies. is a very large, very heavy set man, and Peter Laurie is a very not. small man yeah, with he's, a very no, he's large eyes. He's decidedly not that. Yes, big eyes. Yes. Big, um,. Big small. Right. He's like big small. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That brings us to the end. I'd like to remind you to please, please take your medicine, take care of yourself. And we'd like to remind you better, better late than, than never. never.